Welcome to the Way Home Podcast, a conversation about church, community, and culture. I'm your host, Dan Darling, here in Nashville, Tennessee. And today I'm glad to be joined by my colleague, Lindsay Swartz, who's Hi, our managing editor of content here at the RLC. And we're very excited to have on the podcast Laura Story, songwriter, author. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've enjoyed her music, uh, Indescribable, Mighty to Save, and many other ones. Blessings was one that won quite a few awards. We sing her music in church probably every week without even realizing it. Uh, She's a great gifted songwriter, has good music that really serves the church. But today we're going to actually talk to her about a book she wrote. Lindsay, can you speak a little bit about this book and why it ministered to you so much and why we wanted to have her on? Absolutely. Well, lots of books come in to our office and pass over our desks and I was excited to see Laura Story's name on it, uh, and its title is When God Doesn't Fix It, Lessons You Never Wanted to Learn, Truths You Can't Live Without. And I had heard a little bit about Laura's story because uh, I had known that her husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor and just get fascinated with stories like that. So I was excited to read this, and I actually finished it start to finish at work, read the entire thing. And I was encouraged even in what seasons of suffering that I have in my own life. No, nothing. It's not anything on that scale. Uh, but also it was so theologically sound. It was really refreshing. And and basically she doesn't try to offer pithy answers to our problems and to our suffering, but she offers the God of truth and the one who sustains us. So I loved it and I would highly recommend it. I'm so glad that she's going to be on the podcast today. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be a great discussion. Uh, before we start our conversation, I wanted to let everybody know about a a great new event we're having next year called Evangelicals for Life. Uh, We're partnering with Focus on the Family. This will be uh, in January, right around the March for Life. And what we're trying to do with this uh, is is try to mobilize uh, evangelical young people to get involved in the issue of, of life. I've been to the March for Life and what's great about it is there's so many young people, so many homeschool families, um, but many of them are Catholic, which is great. We don't want any less Catholic people to, to show up there, but we'd like to see more young evangelicals there and, and think through what does it mean to be pro-life, uh, not just in the issue of abortion, but all of life, and what are those implications? We're going to have some great speakers. Eric Metaxas, our president, Russell Moore, is going to be there. Uh, Jim Daly's going to speak. Uh, David Platt and, and many others talking about the issue of life. So you can go to the website, evangelicals dot life evangelicals.life, and you can register right now. I know January is a little bit far off, but if you're making your travel plans for the first of the year, uh, please put that on your calendar. It's in Washington, D.C. We'd love to see you there. But for now, let's join our conversation with Laura Story. Well, Laura Story, thank you for joining us here today on the Way Home Podcast. Glad to have you. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's a treat to get to spend a few minutes with you guys. So we want to talk, uh, Lindsay and I are here, we want to talk about your your book, When God Doesn't Fix It. And uh, just to start off, that title, uh, I think, really is going to resonate with a lot of Christians just because, you know, I think there's a sense that when, you know, you come to Christ, everything's going to be great, everything's going to be just perfect, mm-hmm. and then uh, you have, you know, we all have issues and problems or you know, hard things, and it's like it's not getting fixed. So maybe to start, if you can tell us how you came up with the concept and the title, explain that. Yeah, well, the book, When God Doesn't Fix It, it really is for anyone that's ever 
maybe had a prayer answered differently than they mm-hmm. wanted it, or they asked God for something that never never seemed to happen, or maybe didn't happen in the time frame they expected. And as Christians, I don't know what it is. It's, it's just like you were saying it. It's like we have trouble processing that kind of thing. Because why would a good and faithful God who's able to heal every sickness and able to to you know, cure cancer and poverty and uh, all of this, why would He still allow suffering in this world? And, and I wish I could tell you that I that in the book there's answers to all those questions. <laughs> and honestly, there there really isn't. But it, but it does talk about um, you know God using these hard things in life to accomplish some greater purposes. Absolutely. And Laura, we were talking just earlier before we started this podcast, and I was telling you how I got a hold of your book, and I was familiar with your music through Siler's Bald, and the band you used to be a part of. I, on college, I experienced a concert and loved it. And um, so I was so thrilled to see your book come through. And I sat at work and read it through start to finish in one sitting. And I loved how theologically sound it was, because that's not always the case in some of the Christian living books we have sitting in our bookstore shelves today. So tell me about the role of Scripture in you working this out, that the Lord wasn't answering your prayers in the way that you thought. And I guess start us off, too, in talking about your husband's diagnosis, because we haven't even addressed that, and that's the whole reason you wrote this book, correct? Yes. Uh, about nine years ago, Martin was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And even though, uh, you know, we're so blessed that he even lived through the whole ordeal with the surgery and the complications and all, all those details are shared in the book. Uh, we're thankful for the healing he's received, but he hasn't received full healing. It's been, uh, he still lives life with, with a brain injury and, and a vision deficit and a memory deficit. And so uh, we've had to to figure out, you know, how do you continue to live out your faith? How do you continue to trust God when He's not fixing that thing um, that you think He should fix, and when He's not doing it my way? It, uh, and and you mentioned the scriptures. It was impossible for me to tell our story without talking about the Word of God and how, uh, you know, when you're in the midst of a situation that maybe medically seems hopeless or uh, in the here and now seems hopeless, you do have to rely on the scriptures, you know, and, and remembering um, that the reason the Lord gave us His Word is to, it's, it's to sustain us in this life and to, and to um, give us a heavenward perspective rather than us focusing on what's not going right here on earth. Right. In the first chapter, you talk about tragedy, and uh, you say... In that moment, we think life as we know it is over. The truth is life as we've yet to know it has just begun. It reminds me of of a quote that A.W. Tozer made, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but that God can't use a person until he breaks them. Is that, hmm. is that sort of what you're getting at? Oh, absolutely. It's also, you know, there's so much, you know, when we get bad news in life, there is that tendency of feeling that my life is over. And, and it's not, you know, whether it's, your husband losing his job, or whether you know it's a miscarriage, or a cancer diagnosis, or a betrayal of a friend. I mean, there's so many things, and it's not that you're being overly dramatic, thinking your life is over. It's, it's that you can't picture how you could possibly live out your faith in this new context, in a context that's far more broken than what you expected, and that's the situation we find ourselves in. 
But what we ended up discovering was it's not just that you live out your faith in the midst of that situation and you keep trusting and keep believing um, that God's going to sustain you. It's that sometimes we realize that God uses those broken situations because it's in the darkness of, of those valleys that His light shines the brightest. And and if we are put in this world um, as His ambassadors, then uh, the more we can allow our stories to be known and His faithfulness through our stories, that that's when true ministry happens. Mm, absolutely. And it makes me think of just all throughout the Scriptures, but Jesus saying a servant is not unlike his master, that our our master, our Lord, suffered. And it was in the darkest moments of defeat that God was working the greatest victory through his yeah, death and, on the cross. Absolutely. And we see there's so many myths we believe. Like like that if we <laughs> if we just follow Jesus hard enough, if we just do the Ten Commandment commandments good enough or faithful mm, enough, right. that our lives will have a certain amount of peace or a certain amount of comfort or a certain amount of prosperity. Uh, but then you look at the scriptures, and that's not what you see of the Apostle Paul. You, you look, you look right. at the disciples, 11 of the 12 of them, that following Jesus cost them their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would say that they wouldn't have traded it for anything because there was something more precious in this world than their very life. Laura, and that's you've... what they found in the person of Jesus. Laura, you have, you've written some of the, the worship songs that are, are just favorites and that we sing every week in, in church. And I just wonder, when we, you know, we go to church and we sing songs, you know, we love them. We don't always know what was going on in the songwriter's life that helped them produce those songs. Um, so it's always neat to hear that. Uh, but what role, I guess, has suffering and hardship played in, in the, kind of the way that you write songs for the church? Well, I said... I often joke that every song I've written is about the very same thing. It's about how the mm. promises of God are currently intersecting with, like, the here and now of where I live. You know, it's how does God meet me, not in this, uh, like, happy Christian, mm-hmm. you know, everything's great kind of setting, um, but how did his promises hold true in the midst of, of life being hard? Because you know, as, so I'm a worship leader at a church. I've worked at Perimeter Church for 10 years now. And when people walk through those doors, it's everything from, you know, someone that just mm. celebrated their daughter's marriage the night before um, to someone that got the cancer diagnosis a couple days before. And and what I find is, is it's the same response for both of them. It's God... Uh, we praise you uh, for the good and the bad. It, it, it's it's Joe that's saying, um, you know, you're the same God, and, and we're going to give you glory regardless, uh, not because we understand our stories, mm. but because your word tells us that you're worthy of our praise. Mm. And Laura, thinking through when I was reading your book and some of the things that stood out to me, one of them that I'm thinking of right now is the role that community played in your life throughout mm. your husband's yeah. suffering and the initial diagnosis and all of that. And even as you went on to talk about um, trying to get pregnant and having little kiddos. So talk to us about the role of community in helping you walk faithfully through suffering. Uh, man, our church family, as well as our as our actual family, you know, have just been the hands and feet in Jesus to us. I, I've lived it out, but I've also seen it so clearly in the scriptures. Uh, I, every time I 
meet a woman at an event that, that comes up to me and they tell me, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm, and I'm trusting God, but this thing I'm walking to is just too hard for me to do. And I say, you're exactly right. We, we were never meant to do this on our own. We were never meant to carry uh, these heavy, heavy burdens on our own. And, and we, we weren't designed for Lone Ranger Christianity. We were designed to be part of, of the church, you know, God's plan A. Uh, for for saving the world, that that's why he left those twelve behind, and said it's better for me to leave you, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think about um, I can't even imagine where we would be if it wasn't for the church coming around us in the midst of our pain. And 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 God, you know, tells us I think it's Corinthians where where Paul talks about that it's the comfort that we receive from God that equips us to be better comforters mm-hmm. for others. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's not just being the needy one. It's when you're the needy one, you learn uh, how to be a great comforter for, for when that next person comes behind you on that same path. Exactly. You know, I um, hearing you say that, and uh, I, one of the things that I, I really love about the your worship music is just how you know, theologically rich it is, and you're just exalting Christ. But you also, I think, have space in there for, um, I guess, lament. And and I wonder, you know, one of the one of the criticisms people have made sometimes of evangelical church is, you know, are we giving enough space on Sunday for people to to really lament? You know, they come in broken and and hard, and if everything's so triumphant all the time, is it is it really accurately reflecting? Yes. Scripture and and I just maybe you can talk about how that process goes into your songwriting and how you feel about that even as someone who was experiencing suffering what you needed from 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 church that week. Well, I'm I'm so thankful for the Book of Psalms. Mm. You know, it it didn't wind up in the scriptures by accident. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about David, you know, some of the things that he say, you know, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long, you know? And he's sitting there. Uh, basically, I don't want to say complaining, I mean, he's crying out, he's bearing his soul before the Lord, uh, and the fact that that's included in Scripture, that gives us license to respond that way. Mm-hmm. And and the Lord delights in hearing the very depths of our souls, and we can't live there. It's it's beginning at that place, because I'm thinking specifically about Psalm 13, where, where David says that, what he ends up saying at the end of it is, but I've trusted in your loving kindness. And my heart will rejoice uh, b- because I believe that, you know, I'm going to see God's goodness. And and it, it's finding that balance through being honest. Uh, I don't know why Christians, sometimes we have trouble being honest and admitting uh, that I'm disappointed with how things have ended up. You know, because I'm, I'm, I, honestly, I'm disappointed that my husband hasn't gotten full, full healing and that he lives with disabilities. Mm. Uh, and I can tell that to God, and, and that doesn't offend him. Uh, but then I say, okay, but since this is where you have me, I believe that at least for today, you know, if you heal him tomorrow, praise God, at least for today, um, this this is the plan you have for our lives. How might you use this broken situation to glorify yourself? 
Right. And Laura, I'm reading through a commentary on Ecclesiastes right now, and I'm grateful as you well as... You are a very spiritual person. <laughs> oh, man. Well... That is, that is awesome. <laughs> along the lines, it's an easy-to-read commentary, but along the lines of what you're saying, I'm grateful for the Psalms. I'm grateful for Job. Haven't always been. I used to think when I would read Job that I was going to have to learn the lessons. And of course, you do learn oh, the yeah. lessons there, but once you've walked through it, it just becomes that much sweeter. But Ecclesiastes, sometimes you just need need someone to say, and that it's in the Bible, life is vanity, because, and I'm disappointed with the things under the sun, so I'm grateful the Lord gives us the freedom to rightly do that. And so in wrapping up, why don't you just tell us a little bit about where your family is today, how everyone is doing, and maybe even ways that listeners can pray for y'all. Well, even even in the five minutes I've been talking to you, I've been walking around my house trying to find toilet paper yeah, for my hilarious. three-year-old. That's what's <laughs> going. It. That's life. You know, being a mom, it doesn't even stop when you when you're talking to radio stations on the phone. No, you uh, <laughs> you're always a mom, and but everyone's doing well. Josie just turned three. Aww. she is just so much fun, and the boys will turn one tomorrow. Oh, so we're so so very blessed, so thankful for. Three healthy little kids. Oh, it's so fun. And your husband, how is he doing? How are his spirits? You know, he's doing really well. It really has been a sweet season. You know, Martin, it took him a His rehabilitation has been so much longer than, mm-hmm. than what we expected. And, and he is working part-time, and, and he's been for the past couple of years, and this has been the first time in a while. And he has a job with a facilities group at our church, but he's also coaching baseball again. Oh, fun. This is a pretty big deal because this is something he has loved for a long time. It's part of his long-term memory, and so it's something that that he can really bring some value investing in these young kids. And and he's just enjoying being a dad. Just to be real honest, any any new situation we find ourselves in, it's an opportunity where uh, we have to figure out what what does it look like um, for him to be uh, like a father with these certain disabilities? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of fear for both of us that went into that. You know, mm. what does it look like to be a dad having a memory deficit? Right. But what we found is the most important jobs of a father are to love the kids and to to love Jesus and model that in front of them. And and that's something he's been great at. Well, Laura, I just want to thank you for joining us today and just thank you for uh, your gift to the church of your music. You know, the body of Christ is blessed by it. And I just think, you know, just thinking through some of the songs you've written and times in my life where it really was what God used to to help me grow and just comfort my heart. And thank you for being transparent, too, in writing this book. And I know it's going to help quite a few people. So we're just praying for you and thankful for your ministry. And just thank you for, for joining us today. Oh, that means a lot to me. We, um, you know, we never imagined our lives would look this way. Mm-hmm. But mm. I'm so thankful for what the Lord has done uh, through the hardships in our story. And I'm praying that for others as well. Mm. Well, thank you, Laura. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, guys. I hope you have a great day. You too. Well, I want to thank my colleague, Lindsay Swartz, for joining me for this great conversation with Laura Story. Uh, What a terrific book she has. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you let us know by sending us an email, wayhome at erlc.com, or writing a review on iTunes or Stitcher or 
the place that you like to listen to podcasts. And if you missed any of our previous conversations that we've had with people like Matt Chandler or Karen Swallow Pryor or David Platt, Max Licato, uh, you can go to my website, danieldarling.com, and click on the podcast page. We have them all listed there. Uh, or you can subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn or however you get uh, listen to podcasts. Uh, we also like to just remind you again about the event we're having in January in Washington, D.C. with Focus on the Family called Evangelicals for Life. You can register today at evangelicals.life. We'll have links there on my website on the podcast page as well. But for now, thank you for listening to the Way Home Podcast. Thank you.